Welcome to New Shooter Canada. Please remember that the show's content and word pronunciation is simply the opinion of the hosts and their guests. Well, I like guns, and I like being free. Because I'm armed, you can't take that from me, and you should know it. Hello, and welcome to New Shooter Canada, episode 218. I am your hostess this evening, Amanda, and I have my two amigos with me, Josh and Mike. Good Hello. evening. Hello. Hi. How are you doing tonight? Well, not too bad. We're enjoying the patio again, so love it out here. Hopefully it's not too noisy. What about you? Um, all right, just, uh, you know. Getting through the weekend. No, I can hear that. Yeah. I don't know. Josh and I have been talking about this. We're piling on way too much on our weekends. Like we, I don't know. It's just we get to Sunday and we're like, crap, there's still five things that we wanted to do. And we didn't get around to doing them. So they just go to the top of the next weekend's list. So it's what happens know. when you work full time. You, you cram as much as you can into your weekends. Yeah. But yep. we got to make sure that we try and take time for ourselves, too. So are you finding that uh, you got a big to-do list before the summer season really kicks in or no? I always have a big to-do list. Like yeah. you and most people. We should people. be asking Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> like me and most people, you know, and you guys, too, that, you know, weekends are the only time you can squeeze stuff in. So, uh, you know. Sometimes you just run out of time, and when you start doing hobbies like shooting, and it takes an entire day, or I say an entire day, really, when you get back from a match, lots of times you're pretty tired. You just don't get much done. No, don't blame you there. Yep. So, well, Mike, why don't you uh, kick off the show by telling us what you did in guns? Well, um, I didn't do much for most of the time between last episode, but I did manage to get to the range with a friend yesterday that i haven't gone with in a long time which was great um we shot a lot of handguns because he had been curious about some options he had asked me about you know possibly getting something else for uh for him and his wife just i think he he might only have one or two right now and he's just interested in you know expanding his collection so i brought what most would consider to be way too many guns to the range <laughs> and we pretty much just went through them all and shot them all so uh, it was just a good time um yeah, and it was good. And, you know, I'm usually one to be motivated by competition, but it was really nice to kind of be out there. And, you know, I almost remembered one of the other aspects that I do like about shooting, and that is the social aspect, getting to go out there and spend time with like-minded people and hang out with your friends and, you know, do a little bit of shooting. So it was really good. So what did um, he like from your selection? Um, he liked the M&Ps. I think one of the big, I'll say good or bad, however you want to say it, I don't, and I'm not trying to sound snobby here, I don't tend to buy lower, or I'll say less expensive stuff. Um, I bought that stuff in the past. I know that I'm just going to end up buying, you know, the the next tier up later anyway, so it's kind of a buy one to cry once. So the <laughs> M&Ps were probably one of the lowest cost items there, so that did appeal to him a lot. But he he did like them. He did like the the weight of them. He like he didn't mind the trigger. He did you know feel one that had a little bit of a had some upgrade to the trigger. And I can't even remember what the upgrades are. But he did try those, and you know that's what he seemed to like the most. And especially when I started telling him what prices were, 
he had a general idea. He was like, "Yep, that's that definitely feels like the one I would want to get." So something well, especially like with with those M and P range kits, it's such a good deal, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I uh, a friend of mine uh, went up to the Arctic to do work, and I I don't know the whole story, but he needed someone to store his restricted firearms, so he asked me if I would do it for him. He has one handgun and one AR. So he went through the R- or the yeah the RCMP and did everything, and yeah, pretty much he came over and dropped them off. And he has a MMP range kit that he's just looking to sell. So if someone's out there looking for an MMP range kit, I got well, I air quote <laughs> got one for sale. So yeah, cool. Yep. But I did get to finally shoot my new Q5 steel frame. I can feel it different between the two of them, but I'm not really 100% sure that it's worth the price difference from the plastic model unless you're really trying to squeeze every little bit of performance out of your firearm. So like if you're just going out there for fun or you're just getting started and you don't and you look at the two price points, you might think, "Oh boy, is it worth the extra money?" For someone new who doesn't know how serious they're going to get into it, the plastic one just fine. Like the ergonomics are the same. Um the holster is slightly different, which I found out, so I'm getting a new holster. But uh, everything else is pretty much the exact same, like the way the internals work. Um, it's just a little bit heavier, and I just find it's a little bit quicker when you start getting into the the double-tap kind of criteria where you're trying to take two quick shots. Um, that's that's where I start noticing a difference in it. But, yeah, besides that, I just a good range trip, good to get back out there, and I'm supposed to go again tomorrow. So you're not having any regrets with the Q5? I am currently not having any regrets. That's good. But yeah. you're just questioning the price point. <laughs> well, and, and maybe someone at Mike's level, it makes more sense is what he's saying than a newbie, right? Well, I agree yeah. with that. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah I, would, I would say that that is correct. Um, we'll have to see how much I actually end up using this gun, right? Because this was... You know, I'm kind of dedicated an I core and Ipsic with my 627 uh, eight shot revolver. So really, this is just kind of like a fun gun, maybe an IDPA gun. So I mean, we'll see how much use I actually get out of it. But I mean, overall, I don't actually regret making the purchase. I think it's going to be fun to play with. Good, good. Yeah. What about you, Josh? What have you been up to? Well, I did my second ever IDPA type match. It's uh, not an official IDPA match, as we've discussed in other in other episodes. And I and I heard Andrew talking about how he actually did receive some correspondence about him actually using IDPA on practice score. So I think he's oh. going to be changing how he how he lists that, um, which I thought was a little bit silly. But I mean, it's a protected thing, I guess. So yeah. teach their own. Yeah. Well, so one one of the reasons why I've heard the the I'll say the problem with that is. If Andrew decides to say, you know what, we don't really care about, I don't know what, let's say something dumb, like the 180 rule, right? right? Um, and someone gets shot and they say, hey, this guy got shot at an IDPA match. And then they look right. at it and they say, well, he wasn't even following the rules. Right. They don't want to get that, you know, bad press. That's smart. Yeah, I didn't really look at it from that way, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry, continue on. Oh, no, that's a that's a good point. I, uh, it's, uh, it was definitely... 
it was fun. I had fun, <laughs> but I, I definitely didn't do so well. Um, I think I did better last time. Uh, it was a little more intense than the first time because that one was indoors and there wasn't as much room. We we're basically just kind of moving side to side, right? But this one here, we actually got to move forward and actually people were actually running. So like that was, it was pretty, uh, pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, it, it was definitely a lot different. I was, I was kind of nervous in the morning cause it was uh, pouring rain here all morning. And I thought, well, it's in Guelph. So it's a bit of a drive. Maybe the weather's different there. And it, it just poured for my whole drive. <laughs> I'm kind of <laughs> thinking, oh man, this is going to suck. And then I get there and I'm kind of waiting under the, uh, under the enclosure and watching the guys set up and, just as they finished setting up and about 10 minutes before we were supposed to shoot, the sun came out and it got warm and it was almost like a sign, right? Too bad George isn't here. He could back me up, but, um, (laughs) it was really, it was really good. Uh, and there wasn't a lot of people too. So this was a, this was a little bit, uh, of a different, I'm not sure why they do this, maybe just to kind of set things up and see how they're working maybe, but they've, they've listed all the matches on Saturdays, but they've always given a Friday option, a Friday afternoon option of two o'clock. So I signed up for all those two o'clock ones and I thought I could just take a half day off work and drive straight from or drive from work and grab my stuff and go and and then I can, uh, you know, not not use up my whole weekend like you were saying earlier about, you know, you go to a match and it's your whole day gone, right? So I signed up for that and it worked out really well. There was only uh, nine shooters plus staff and we kind of just, it was was a more relaxed atmosphere, right? Everybody kind of knew each other and we were just kind of, I don't want to say goofing around because that's a bad thing to say on the range, but I mean, it was, it was just for fun. Right. And it was, it was a nice way to get into it. I didn't have to worry about people really being crazy about their scores or anything else. Like we were just there to, to get together and have fun and, and, and do this match. So it was pretty awesome. So I'm glad I signed up for those, those Friday ones because it was definitely more structured um, when there was a lot more people. Right. Because I forget how many squads they have on Saturday, but there was quite a few more. So. Oh, so there, there were more shooters, just not that day. That's Correct. right. That's okay. right. So, so it was going all day today. Um, oh, okay. But I signed up for the early one on Friday, and I, and I think maybe that's why, just to see how the stages work. I'm not sure why they do that, but yeah. it was pretty cool. I thought. Um, so the first stage, I, that's the only one that Benny filmed because he was uh, he was helping out and doing stuff. So you got to see that. I don't know if I looked any faster. I don't think I really looked any faster. <laughs> I don't think I've improved <laughs> since the last one, but. Um, it was kind of neat cause it was just pretty much just walking forward on that one. And that was my best stage and it kind of went downhill from there. I, I, I don't know. I, the second stage was a little more, uh, hor- or side to side movement, uh, shooting almost all through, uh, ports. So that was interesting. And then the, the third stage is where I really fell apart. Oh no. Cause it was, I think I, I sent you some pictures. It was just basically, uh, it was just a long strip um, I think from started at the 50 yard line and went in and there was barrels and targets. So there was a target behind each barrel and they were all lining each side of the range. So as you walked or ran, you would stop and you'd shoot each one on each side all the way to the end. And then on the end, they had a wall set up with a port on the bottom. So you had to either go prone or on your knees and shoot five targets, uh, through the port. Ooh. So, <laughs> so that was a little, that was a little bit much for me. Um, I actually tried to run. <laughs> there was a bit of a gap between some of the targets and I thought, okay, I'm going to make up some time. I'm going to run. And this is a, an important lesson for uh, properly fitting gear because the weight of my belt was actually pulling my pants down a little bit. <laughs> so I, 
<laughs> so I had to kind of, I had that in the back of my head to worry about. So I was like, okay, slow down. So I slowed down and I think I was all right. Nothing fell down, but it was, it was going. Cause I had, you know, three, at that point, I think I had three, three loaded mags on my belt. So it was pretty heavy. I was, I was just on my first mag, but, uh, there was that. And then I wasn't sure what to do at the, at the end port. Um, I wasn't comfortable going prone. I, I walked it first with Benny and, uh, he was kind of going through what he was going to do. And, you know, for a big guy, nothing against Benny, but for a bigger guy, he is surprisingly agile. He just, he just flopped right on the ground. Like, like Chris Farley, almost like he was just down and he's bouncing around on his belly and rolling and pretending like he's shooting. It was just, it was amazing. I couldn't believe how, uh, how good he was on his, on his feet or his belly. <laughs> but, uh, he, he did prone and it was kind of, it, it worked out well for him, but I just didn't feel comfortable with that. And then, that is where I, I I dropped to my knees when I was shooting the stage and I and I had all these failures. I was getting stovepipe after stovepipe and I I couldn't figure out what was wrong and I I was thinking maybe my gun was dirty. But then I started thinking as I, as I slept on it and I, I was thinking in the morning maybe the way my hand my arms were braced on the on the port um, because for a little bit I was I was almost bracing my upper arms on the port and looking through the snow fence at the sights because I got oh. I couldn't get low enough. Um, to feel comfortable so I wonder if like I was almost limp wristing it or something and that was causing it or maybe I don't think it was but was the back of the slide maybe touching the snow fence I, I don't know maybe there was other stuff going on there that I didn't realize and I was so I was so distracted well not distracted but I was so focused on trying to shoot that I wasn't thinking about anything else right so yeah. maybe things like that were happening and I didn't realize it and finally I I just couldn't get get through the mag and i think i got a shot on the last target and i was like okay i'm done i'm just because i had to actually drop the mag to clear the to clear the chamber because it was trying to load another round and then it was just stuck right so i had yeah. to drop it and empty it and then put the mag in again and it was just kind of a kind of a disaster but yeah. i felt kind of embarrassed about all that but whatever it's the first time yeah. i've done that. i'll get over it <laughs> so yeah. another so thing was- i've I've seen oftentimes is when someone happens to put their gun just in the right spot of the port. Mm-hmm. And what you don't realize is that there's no vertical clearance above the gun. Mm-hmm. So what will happen is brass will bounce off the top and come back down. Oh, really? As yeah. opposed to getting, you know, chucked away. Yeah. I, I've seen things like that. Like once again, like, I don't know how your actual setup was, but yeah. Yeah. Michael was actually through, through the port and mm-hmm. that wasn't the issue here, but maybe it was impacting it in some other way or I, I'm not sure. Yeah. I don't know. One of those things to practice, right? Like I, that was, that was the most challenging part. Like I've shot on my knees before, but PPC, right? So you're just standing there and, or, or kneeling there and just shooting yeah. straight. I mean, like yeah. this was a lot different. I've definitely never done that before. And maybe prone would have been the right move. There was a couple of people who did that, but yeah. majority of people went on their knees, but yeah, you know, it's something to play with anyways. Right. Yeah, there's a, a lot of people don't like going all the way down prone, and yeah. it's some for some people it's just because they have too much trouble getting back up at the end. <laughs> um, well, that's what's pe- Benny. He just bounced. He was great. <laughs> well, usually it's not going down that people have trouble. It's when they have to get back yeah. up at the end, and that's why yeah. also a lot of people tend to practice kneeling or crouching because mm-hmm. if that's not the last spot that you have to take shots from, then you still need to get up and keep going. Yeah. So. Right. Well, I think my problem, like, like I, when I walked the stage, I tried laying down and, and I, I feel like the targets were almost too close. Like I couldn't arc myself up high enough. I don't know if it was just, I just wasn't 
doing it right. I don't know. But I felt if the targets would have been a little bit farther away, I would have been able to go prone a lot easier. Yeah. I, I understand what you're saying. You're saying like the angle that you had to shoot upward to yeah, the target. Yeah. yeah. It just I, seemed I, yeah. extreme. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, then again, Benny was like laying on his side even, right? So yeah. he was, wasn't just laying there on his stomach. So maybe yeah. if I had done something like that. Laying on your side is easier to aim higher because you just rotate your whole body. Whereas when yeah. you're laying, I can't remember what that's called, but when you're lay, like laying right in line with your target, it's harder because now you have to almost like use your back muscles to like pull your upper body up to keep your whole upper body like in alignment. Mm-hmm. Or you end up just driving your elbows into the ground and you end up holding the gun like six inches from your face. Right. <laughs> which also is something that I wouldn't want to do. But right, yeah. right. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that definitely you know if I learned nothing else, I, I learned a stage to practice. That's for sure. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was that was the most challenging, and it was it was fun. I I could have shot again, but um, I didn't bring enough ammo with me, and I was my pride was a little bit hurt after that last stage. So I was like, okay, I'm just gonna pack up and I'm gonna go. <laughs> that enough because the, the adrenaline was going, and I was just tired, and I don't know, didn't have a great lunch, and I was like, that's it. Yeah. But uh, uh, what else was I going to say about that? I guess that's I guess that's about it. Um, that's about all for that match. And then uh, tomorrow, the big day is finally here. It's Maple Seed tomorrow. So I don't know. We're we're not really prepared for that either. No. But, uh, <laughs> that's a good but, start. <laughs> yeah, but at least I uh, on the way to the match there, I stopped at select shooting and I got us some ammo. Uh, we we were kind of low on ammo, so I got us some a couple of bricks and got Amanda another mag for her Ruger. And Benny uh, brought me his new shooter Canada stylish sling, so she'll be all set up with that. Yes. Um, so thank you to Benny for that. That's great. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's uh, that's what all I have to say about that. <laughs> Well, yeah, so thanks, Benny. I really appreciate that. Um, But I'm going to say that I haven't done a whole lot in guns. Josh has done way more than I have. Uh, But with Maple Seed tomorrow, I'm super nervous. But I'm sure it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, Yeah, we definitely need to be prepared this evening. After the show, we're going to pack up our bags, pack our lunches, and have hopefully an early evening and get ourselves over to Mount Bridges. Yep. It is Mount Bridges, yep. It's right? Mount Bridges, yeah. Warren Field. Warren Field, yeah. So it's, we're gonna... uh, it's an airstrip. Yeah, so that should be oh. interesting. I'm, yeah, definitely nervous, but we'll... At this point, we haven't had time to be able to practice anything. So, you know what? <laughs> the whole point, like everybody keeps saying, is that it's an instructional course. But mm-hmm. I... Um, well, it's like you told us last week. We should be at least trying to get in the positions or something. Yeah, in, in our basement. Or, yeah, it's just, just same with this pistol shoot. Like we just haven't had time to do anything. I didn't clean my gun before I went, and no, that's why I was no. kind of wondering if that was the issue. We haven't cleaned our rifles. We could do that quick, quickly though tonight. But then I think, <laughs> is it bad luck to clean the rifle before a match? Should we clean it? What if we mess something up? What if well, we knock it off a zero? What if we? What if we have a screw up? Yeah. What if the? What if the something happens? My, I wasn't <laughs> intending to clean my. <laughs> parts i thought maybe cleaning the barrel like just run a, run a, a snake run a it? snake through yeah. the barrel and that'd be about it because the, but then I again sometimes people it. say a dirty gun shoots better well that's know. what i'm thinking we do it? if it ain't broke don't fix it that's bring that's, a cleaning kit with us maybe in case yeah, we start bring having clean, issues think of it this yeah. way you could always bring a cleaning kit with you and if you have malfunctions you can always clean it there 
right? Exactly. I don't feel like we've put a lot of rounds through them lately, like since we used them last. Because no. that's the problem with COVID. Like I, I was shooting like like once a week at least before all this COVID stuff, right? So at least I was always doing something with mm-hmm. my guns, right? I was cleaning them more regularly. I was using them. You don't kind of, wasn't really losing my skills. And now I just feel so rusty every time I pick one up. Right? Yeah. And I don't think we've even brought either 22 to the range. No. Recent, like in the times that we were able to go, no. we've been, we brought the shotgun, we brought the Ruger. Not we since brought, fall probably, right? Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. We'll, we'll have to, just wing it and get through it and It'll I don't be know. fine. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Gonna get that damn patch. Just, yeah, exactly. You're walking home. <laughs> just listen, listen to what they have to say and just enjoy your time. Exactly. Yeah. So should be good. But you know, part of the thing is uh, for some of you that don't know, uh, Josh and I have a few other hobbies. So, I mean, that's been taking up a, a lot of our time as well. So well, I think without being able to shoot, we're kind of stretching our wings and doing other things. Well, that right? was the thing. And then now that we're able to shoot, it's like, well, you know, we got a few other things. And uh, two of our new hobbies are beekeeping and boating. So um, we've been busy for the last few weeks preparing for our first hive and then getting our boat into the water so um just wanted to touch a little little bit on that topic so the hive that we received two weeks ago um so we had to like prep and get ready and we were waiting for what we call a nuke which is typically a queen and i I believe it's ten thousand bees it could be less than that but um it was definitely an interesting experience to do by ourselves but uh, the inspections have been going great and, um, you know, the whole process in itself has been really smooth. So the idea of the beekeeping, though, was like a combo interest of helping with the environment uh, with our best pollinators and making honey in a mindset of self-sufficiency. So we're not looking to sell our honey by any means, but it's more about that whole prepper homesteader mindset is you know what can we do to uh provide for ourselves so it's, it's actually surprisingly relaxing i was it is i was semi-terrified but it's actually really relaxing <laughs> it's, it's a lot of fun and we have now maybe it's just our hive in particular or our group of bees now we um worked with a gentleman his name's tony here and he's just lives just outside of fullerton there Yep. It is Fullerton? Yep. Yeah, he's about 10 minutes yeah, away. Yeah, he's about 10 minutes away. And he told us about the breed of bees that we were getting. They're a very gentle type. and But, you know, you think about bees, most people are terrified, especially with allergies. And, um, well, think of my girl, right? Yeah. The kid <laughs> dies from bee stinks, right? So I think everyone's got this concept that bees are very aggressive, but at least our and hive, they're here we, absolutely Here we are tearing hive. their house apart. Yeah, we're tearing it <laughs> apart. And, you know, they, they've been great. Ripping we have, the roof off and we, tearing the walls out. <laughs> now, to be fair, we are fully garbed. Yep. Uh, but I wore my Birkenstocks today, though. <laughs> you did. You did. That, that was his first ex, uh, skin exposure. <laughs> but for the most part, we're covered from head to toe with the, uh, the suit, the netting over the the veil yeah yeah, and then the gloves as well so um anybody who's interested uh in beekeeping i highly recommend doing some research first of course and you know giving it a shot because it's really fun to watch them work 
And I, the very first day that we put them in, we saw a bee emerge from their little comb, from their brood. And uh, we also saw the queen. And it was, it was just really cool experience. So definitely would recommend it. If so, only our bo- or go ahead. I was going to ask you. So, do you have a I don't know what a local, uh, lack of better word, a guide, someone who is like walking mentor. That's the word I'm looking for. Yes, a mentor. That's, that's, that's you. Tony. Yeah, yeah, that's Tony for sure. And we oh. also joined a uh, Ontario Bee Club called the Osabo uh, Bee Association. Yep. Yeah, okay, I got it right. It's so. just a local club, and we haven't been able to do an in-person meeting, but they do Zoom meetings once a month, so we can kind of talk to people, and we get group emails, and if anybody has a question, they can sit, we can send it out to the group. They brought in, like, a natural They had a guest speaker. Yeah, a guest yeah. speaker that yeah. talks about um, some... We, they were talking about uh, infections that can happen through the, the beehive, like things to look out for, and how serious it can be and how to treat it properly. Plus our bee guy gave us a discount on all the bee stuff if we joined the club. Yes, so. yes. So oh, that wow. Was cool. yeah. yeah. And most of the people who are a part of the club, um, majority of them only had one or two highs. Like in the, a year or two of experience. In a year or two of, yeah, yeah exactly. A year or two of ex- experience. It must, be a, it must be a COVID thing. People are getting into beekeeping. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Something you can do at home, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, for the most part. So... Uh, it's definitely a cool thing, and definitely would recommend it if you, especially Mike, you have the property to do it. You would have uh, if you have time. Yeah, yeah, you have a great spot yeah. for it. So, yeah. I've I've but, looked into doing it. It's just one of those things where I, it seemed hard, or I had difficulty trying to find a mentor or someone who yeah. could essentially hold my hand. It's hard to take the first step. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's it. I, I got held up at that first step because I didn't know anyone and I didn't have anyone to hold my hand and I couldn't seem to find someone. And yeah, yeah so well, I, I, I think I got lucky that I found a guy uh, so close and he sells all the equipment and he was super cool. Like I just said, you know, can I come meet you? And I just went and toured a shop and he we kind of chatted. And then by the end of the conversation, it was like, OK, yep, order me a nuke. Let's do it. And, uh, you know, he hasn't come out and like held my hand, but any questions I've had, I just text him. I've sent him pictures of the comb development and he's kind of commented on it and like, he's there if I need him. So that's, that's nice to know that I have a resource, right? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely there for the questions, but he wasn't there. Yeah. He kind of just said, you know, go off, have fun. It's not that hard. But it, Go but it do is, it. It isn't really that hard, right? It's they, not. The bees, the bees know what to do. Right? Exactly. The, <laughs> you would the hope. bees do all the work for the most part. Yeah. I feel like some people, now it's a personal opinion, of course, that some people micromanage their hives. They want to control how many drone bees there are or, you know. Or they pull out every frame. They pull out every frame and check every single frame and uh, or they'll check twice a week. Um, some people only check it twice a year. Like everybody's got their own style of doing it. Yeah. So I mean, I think we like the let the let the bees be bees kind of let, thing. And, yeah, we do check once a week. That's our priorities. Yeah. Just to well, make especially sure. now, I want to make sure they're still there. Yes, <laughs> yes. So it's definitely a cool thing. So, so anybody want any more information? I'd be happy to share it. So what kind of range? Uh, once again, I'm not going to use this word rightly correctly, but. Uh, What's like the range that you'd have to be worried about them being likely to sting you? It really depends. Like on the hive. You know what? It really depends on the hive. I The girls came to see what the hive looked like and were standing 10 feet away and nothing came out. 
they didn't bother them whatsoever. Uh, we were standing right beside the box without opening it, and we had a couple bees fly around, but they weren't in an aggressive manner. Uh, but it really depends on your breed yeah. and it's different, different, different hives have different temperaments, right? Like yeah. some are super chill and I think ours are, yeah. but then you, you read about other people, like even Tony was saying he got some Italian bees and he couldn't get within, you know, 20 feet of them and they were coming out, the guard bees were coming out to sting them and mm-hmm. it just depends. Right. Um, uh, the, uh, we have buck fast bees and they're, they're super docile. Um, but even within those, it depends on the queen's genetics too, right? Some people have uh, requeened their hives because they wanted to, you know, get rid of that aggressive tendency and put a, a, a queen who's hopefully more docile in there, and that changes the temperament of the hive eventually, right? Oh wow! Yeah. yeah so the the more chill they are, <laughs> the more likely you can go in and handle them, and so. And some people mow their mow the, like. Depends on where you put them. Some people have to mow the lawn around them too, right? And some people say, I can't do it. And some people are right up there with a whippersnipper, right? So hmm. it just depends. It yeah, really does. I, I originally thought like, yeah, I could put it at the back of my property. But I thought, you know, what's their range? Are they going to be, I'll say, not even necessarily aggressive, but like the likelihood of them wandering over and causing problems for like me and the kids in the backyard, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which, yep. And I really, I really doubt you'd have a problem if you just put them like, you know, 40 feet away. You'd probably be fine. Well, I'd probably put them like 300 yards away. <laughs> that would be absolutely no issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah that wouldn't be an issue at all. And, I mean, they're not going to come out in swarms because they only have the collectors, and that's only a portion. And they're going to spread out and in their encirclement. They just don't come out one way. Now, if you planted some plants closer to that area, like some something that they can pollinate but what is it? With, what do they say? Like, they generally go a mile anyway. Right? Yeah, they go about a mile in their yeah. radius so I, and really and truly as long as you're not swatting at them or, or making them uh, yeah, he really wants nothing to do with you yeah, yeah. It really, they really really don't and as long as you're not swatting at them they're very or she, easy it should or say she, she. <laughs> yeah she because yeah. the uh, m- majority of the hive is female so yeah. it's a yeah, that's one of those things where, like, I understand don't swat at it, but try and tell a four-year-old not to swat at oh, something sure. that might sting them, yeah. right? Like, yeah. yeah. Well, the really cool, I saw a picture the other day, so a lot of people get their kids involved in beekeeping, mm-hmm. and they'll get them the bee suits and things like that, and they had a picture of a four-year-old holding a drone uh, bee, which is male <laughs> bee, and male bees actually don't have any stingers on them. And they're oh. usually just hang out in the hive until the end of the year when all the ladies kick them out, so... But until that time, they have a lot of fun. Yeah, they have a lot of fun in between. So, yeah, they do. So they get to eat, and they get cleaned by the uh, the uh, workers, and they're well taken care of right up until the fall. Yeah. And then they, they make them starve to death at, outside. So it's a very interesting uh, way that they work. It's really cool. But I won't dig too much into that. But, yeah, if anybody has any more uh, questions, uh, I definitely recommend seeing and if there's anybody there surprisingly there was quite a few people that we could reach out to within an hour of ourselves oh yeah there's tons of people that are doing it now now i'm spotting hives whenever i drive around out in the county yeah you see them all over now so it's definitely (laughs) worth looking into but uh i you know what if i just wish our boating situation was going as good as our beekeeping (laughs) that'd be kind of cool uh so boating hasn't been going so hot 
So recently I inherited a boat from my my dad. It's an Alan Invader and I think it was built in like 88. Am I right? Yep. Yeah. Late 80s, early 90s. Late somewhere. 80s, early 90s, yes. So we were really <laughs> excited because it opened up for opportunities uh, for activities with the kids. So like fishing, swimming, tubing, and just in general touring around the water. It's one of my favorite things to do. So my dad was just like, you know what? If you and your sister can get some more use out of it and then you can split the cost, it's not a big deal. I'm giving you a boat. And I'm like, how wonderful. So, <laughs> that is wonderful. It is wonderful. But so, boats are money pits. Boats are <laughs> money pits. FYI. So we went to go put the boat in. And, you know, all of us were kind of saying, oh, we should maybe start it before we went to the lake. But, but we, we picked it up from a guy. We picked it up from a guy who, you know, double checked our batteries and got it started. Everything seemed okay. We get to the loading dock and it wouldn't start. So we're like, okay batteries are dead so someone tried to give us a boost didn't work my dad brings his generator we get it his going booster, booster it was pack. booster pack yeah yep. booster generator thing so um we get it started and my sister was supposed to take a tour with us but then she was antsy to get home so she's just like just park around showed us where the slip where was. Our, our slot was for the wet dock so we're like <laughs> okay turns off and of course it wouldn't start again so we boosted again we get to out to the lake with just us just trying to get a feel for it we speed up we slow down and then we try and speed up again it starts sounding funny and the battery dies again and the booster didn't have enough juice <laughs> to re uh, restart so we're dead in the water dead in the that's water. where that term comes from dead in the water <laughs> Yeah, so we were down in the water, but luckily a gentleman who was um, out and he was showing another couple how to uh, drive their new, the boat. Seemed like they just picked up an old boat too. Yeah, they yeah. had picked up an old boat and his buddy, like they were, he's a avid boat owner. Apparently he owns multiple boats Yeah. because he was touring and pulling this new couple he was towing them back in because their boat died. It was like perfect timing. Though. They passed really us like was. right after we realized we couldn't start it. Yeah. <laughs> so he's like, I'll come and get my bigger boat and I'll come and bring you in. So that was, we had to wait, what, a good an hour? About an hour, yeah. About an hour. And then it took about a half an hour to get us back to shore. So, I mean, it was definitely an interesting experience. And, uh, yeah, it's interesting trying to dock a boat without any power. <laughs> they just tried to kind of like launch us in the right direction and throw the rope at some ladies on the dock. And <laughs> oh, yeah, that was fun. And then I didn't have the, the end tied on well enough to the boat and it just flopped into the water. So they were trying to fish it out with an oar. <laughs> Did you have oh. oars in the boat? Yeah, there's, yeah. yeah. But okay. I mean, it's not really the it's, easiest thing to do either right it's oh not, I, i'm not it's, saying it's easy I'm just, it's something though right yeah, so, yeah. it is yeah. yes we yeah. had it there and it, it would have if there wasn't so much wind we probably would have been able to paddle ourselves partial part of the way yeah, through, we did quite but, a bit of drifting we finally threw the anchor down and and it, i feel like we we're still scraping the bottom with the anchor like, yeah it was we pretty were windy. it was pretty windy so yeah. i mean lesson learned there's definitely a few things that we well, had to the, and that's a mind. good thing to to do is have all the problems right away Yes. And learn what to do in all these situations. Like, you know, how often do you have to get towed in, right? So yeah, that we, exactly. we learned what to do in that scenario. <laughs> and we were at a conservation area, so... It was super busy. It was super busy, so there's lots of traffic. It's also enclosed. But also, also highly embarrassing because everybody's watching you. <laughs> oh, it wasn't that bad. 
it wasn't that bad, but it was definitely cool. So I forgot the gentleman's name, but thank you so much. <laughs> mystery, mystery voter. Mystery voter. And he was definitely giving us some tips on how to tie the ropes as well. And yeah. it was really cool. So I have my some experience, but it's been a few years. So oh, and I haven't really done much boating since I was a teenager. So yeah. Yeah. So that was fun. But I mean, it, it definitely keeps us energized. And I highly recommend that people just get out and try stuff. Like that's, yeah. I think that's my point is, you know, guns are wonderful. I love the community, but there are so many other things you can do as well. So, and being that yes man, right? Just being do that it. yes man yeah. or yes lady, right? Go so. shoot that IDPA match that you have no business shooting. Go do it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, but with, not IDPA. Sorry. I didn't say that. No, you didn't. Pistol match. Action pistol, pistol match. match. Action. I like that. Action <laughs> pistol match. I like yeah. it. But with all these hobbies and things, you know, it's one thing to, um, you know, just get out and do things, but you need to be prepared. So our main topic today actually is first aid, but more particular looking at first aid at the range uh, or in the gun community. So Nice segue. I like that. I didn't I know. say that. that was beautiful. That was, yeah, that was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to be prepared. So I don't know how much we're paying you, but it's worth every penny. <laughs> you guys are too kind alrighty so how about we just I I don't I can't say that I'm a professional on the topic so I think we're just going to talk a little bit more about uh, what experiences we have what we think would be a good idea to have and of course um, please uh, questions concerns uh, points of view I would love to hear about it at the end um, when the segment's done and it's all posted so First things first, uh, Mike, what kind of training do you have or uh, what would you like to have? Well, I I have first aid and CPR, which I just remembered that actually ex- expired. I told my supervisor almost six months ago, but because of COVID, they haven't been doing any new first aid courses, but whatever. I've done, uh, so I've done the first aid, the CPR, which also includes the AED and don't ask me what that stands for. It's just the heart attack machine. That's all I know. <laughs> Anti-heart attack. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Good point. Anti-heart attack machine. Um, but yeah, I got all that through work. Um, when I originally signed up for it from work, cause it's not required. Um, I got it more for at the range, which, you know. I wasn't nearly as concerned, mostly because if you ever go shoot a match, you're going to find a lot of cops and firemen and, (laughs) you know, paramedics and like people who have way more training who, you know, should definitely be stepping in way before I do. So that wasn't really the concern. My, my bigger concern really was for my kids because I realized that I haven't done first aid since I was like in scouts two, three decades ago. So I thought, you know, it's a good time to go get a refresher on everything and, be ready for kids, pretty much. Yeah, that's smart. That yep. is smart. Uh, what about you, Josh? Oh, I'm I'm the same as Mike. Same same level of training, I believe. Um, I did it through work. It wasn't uh, it wasn't a, an elective thing. I had to do it. Um, but I, I just did it, renewed it, or did it again about a month or so ago. And it was a lot different this time because of COVID. Um, we all had our little square just to to sit at, and the instructor stayed at the front of the class. And we did half of it online, which was, I guess, good and bad. But we had to go through uh, basically PowerPoints, kind of like my hunting. It was a lot like my hunting course. And then just click through little exams to say that you finished the the uh, 
the segment. And then uh, we just basically had an in-class refresher and then we learned how to wrap bandages and things, but we couldn't do it on someone else. We had to do it on ourselves. So it was really awkward because I, you know, how do you, you can put a sling on yourself, but I guess you should know how to do that. But it was pretty hard to do and wrapping wounds and things. I feel like it would have been a whole lot better if we could have done it with a partner, but um, because that's what I remember doing uh, the first time. Mm -hmm. But uh, so that was a little bit unfortunate. Think of it as great training for if you're ever at the range by yourself or when you're out hunting. Yeah, right. You know, like I say, yeah, it is it is important to know how to do it to yourself because you want to look out for yourself. But it just, uh, yeah, it was unfortunate we couldn't do it both ways though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's about it. I've never I've never had to use it, luckily. Um, so that's that's all I've got. Just the basic level, and we did try, we did practice with an AED as well, mm-hmm. but we don't have any like. We don't have one at the range. We don't have one at work. Mm-hmm. I guess you, I guess you see them at you know larger, like if you go to like well, yeah. like a hockey arena or something, you'll see one. I don't know, like what mm-hmm. I wonder what the capacity is to have one at work. Like probably a certain number number of people, right? That you yeah, would, yeah, that's quite possible. So for myself, I definitely need to renew. It's been a long time. I used to have it working as an ECE. Um, and uh, I specialize with the uh, child um, issues, so especially with CPR and uh, Heimlich, uh, Heimlich maneuvers. There are certain protocols that you have to take with children and babies because uh, you don't want to necessarily do more harm than good. So I've always thought that was a, a great thing to have, though. And you, like you said, with kids... Uh, with their safety, but now that I think about it, our range in particular is very small in compared to uh, other ranges in the sense of capacity. How many people are there? Like almost at any given time. At any given time, I've most of the time when I go there, I'm alone. So you know, if it, I find somebody who's unconscious or needs help, then I'm going to be that point where I can help somebody um i don't know i just i think it's more essential now more than ever that if we're being more independent and with all these different activities like you said whether we're hunting or if it's just a quiet stranded quiet on day. a boat yes yeah, stranded on a boat you just you never know so it happened yeah uh so next question then uh, what does your range have for supplies so what about uh, Josh? What does our club have? Oh, just just your basic uh, first aid kit, as far as I've ever really looked through. Um, we have a box that says "gun wound kit," but I've never opened it. I don't know what's in there. <laughs> no, I do. It's in our it's in a range kit, can. Yeah. I don't know what's in there. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, Maybe but I no. should take a peek one day. But uh, yeah. we've got just your normal wall-mounted big metal first aid kits. That's just you know gauze and tape and scissors and tweezers mm-hmm. and things like that. Nothing beyond that really and is that down on the range or is that uh like in your clubhouse no there's one there's one on the indoor range there's one mounted to the wall right at the indoor range like uh just in the safe area Mm -hmm. and then outside there's one in a little uh there's like a little wall mounted uh outdoor uh shadow box kind of thing and it's mounted in there behind a plexiglass to keep it dry yep so Mm -hmm. and but but i mean they're is there one at the 25 year, 20 yard as well? I guess there's a small one there, isn't there? 
Yes, there is a small because one that would there. be a heck of a walk, you know, down the hundred yards to go get the first aid kit. So I feel like they should mount one right at the the pavilion. Yeah, that'd be smart too. You yeah. know, because it's that's close to that's about thirty or thirty-five yards that's yeah. sitting there. So we even if you had to <laughs> hop the fence and grab it, or or if you're playing horseshoes or at the pit or barbecuing, that there's one right there rather than having to run around. Does anybody know what the requirements are? No. No. Well, probably one at every range site would make sense. Yeah. yeah. Right. So. Well, yeah. Well, I don't have any concerns about it. So. No. 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 We have we have a couple. I know we have some in the clubhouse, but I mean the only people who have access to the clubhouse are directors and a few other people. Um, but there is one in there that when I run whenever I run a match, I grab it and I bring it down to the range with me. Um, we also see now. I'm thinking about it, and I think we have like your not very expensive, not very fancy one in like our sign-in shed. But I mean, you'd have to walk. 100 200 yards to get to it from one of the ranges mm-hmm. um but we do also have an aed but we keep it in the clubhouse now whenever i run a match i grab it and i bring it down to the range with me oh that's smart um, well it's one of those things where it's like what good is it if you have to jump like if it's faster for you to jump in your car and you know <laughs> yeah it's only a 30 second drive but yeah. I mean, it's also a one lane in, one lane out. What happens if there's someone happens to be coming down or something like that? Right. Whatever. Right. You know, when seconds matter, I'm driving away minutes and trying to, oh, shoot, I forgot my key. Now I have to drive back down to the range to grab my bag. And yeah, no. I'm actually kind of surprised you have one there at all. Like, it's really expensive, aren't they? They are. Um, yeah. And that's the problem. And that's why we keep it in the clubhouse. Yeah. Because we talked about, you know, because guys have said, like, what's the point? We have one of these things. Why don't we keep it where members mm-hmm. might actually use it? And yeah. the problem is, is that people walk away with them. And it's yeah. really unfortunate that, you know, what happens? Someone's having a heart attack and you go to grab it and you find out that some, you know. Punk is yeah. taking yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Some, someone I, and you have to be trained, too, to actually use it. Like, anyone with basic first aid and CPR, they're not supposed to be using it. It's only... You have to have it certified for the AED. Yeah, but there's there's pictures on think, the, there's pictures on think, the panels, right? Yeah, I don't think there's any repercussion to someone who does not have a f- specific AED training using one. And okay. if I remember, I remember when we went through it and they showed it to you, and it's, I would say it's idiot proof, but I know that there's some idiot out there who would misuse it. But yeah. they are very straightforward. It, from what I remember, I don't, think, I don't think it'll even shock you if it doesn't think you should be shocked. Right? No, that, yeah, it will, it like, it actually senses whether you need to be shocked or not. And it will, at least the one that I worked on at work, it, gave us, it gave us, like, verbal and, like, you know, with lights telling us what to do. Like, mm-hmm. do you need to do compression? Do you need to blow air? Like, what do you need to do? And it, right. it essentially walks you through what you need to be doing. So, yeah. But with that said, yeah, unfortunately, you know, they're expensive and they seem to grow legs and walk away. So we keep it in the clubhouse, but I do grab it so and I bring it down for yeah, matches. Yeah, it's nice that you have, you have access to it when there's a large amount of people there anyways, right? Yeah. So that's, yeah. 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 That's smart. Mm-hmm. Wow. So next is taking personal responsibility. So what do we keep in our bags, gentlemen? 
Josh, just, what are you keeping your bag? Just a very tiny um, little plastic box with some band-aids and gauze and tape, and that's about it. From and the dollar store? Uh, <laughs> actually, it's it's from a golf tournament. <laughs> oh. <laughs> There's a little first aid kit in a golf, like a, a door prize thing. And I, oh, okay, yeah. I used to be in a golf bag, and now I'm a shooter, so I keep it in my range bag. <laughs> that that makes sense. Um, I went to Dollarama, and they have, air quote here, first aid kits. And it's just a small little hard plastic thing with half a dozen, you know, uh, Band-Aids, some little tape, and a little bit of gauze. It's essentially just a little boo-boo kit, right? So I just yeah. picked up, a, I, I bought like a handful of them because I just figured, yeah, I can throw one in this bag, throw one in that bag. You just kind of throw it everywhere, and you always have one with you. So that's what I actually like have with me. Um, like I said, I will bring down like our actual, it's not like a duffel bag size first aid kit, but it has a little bit more to it. And the AED, I bring that down for matches. Um, I also have a tourniquet that I have in my car. I know it would be better on me, but if it's in my car, it's always wherever I am. So and you've never been trained to use it. Pardon me? You've been trained to use it? Yes, not officially. <laughs> YouTube? <laughs> uh, no. Uh, so well, I, when I did the first aid course, they did teach us tour- tourniquets. They were reluctant to do it, and they showed us how to essentially make one from your belt. And it's like, what about a real tourniquet? And they're like, ah, don't worry about that. It's like, well, this is like the <laughs> real one. Why don't we learn with that? Whatever. Not my problem. Right. Anyways, um, but oh, it was the first charity shoot I went to, and it was in Brockville, I believe. And, oh my goodness, I'm trying to remember who did the pistol course the day before the actual charity event. And it's, oh my goodness, I can picture him, but I can't remember what his name is. Anyways, he actually did a tourniquet, air quote here, course, and pretty much like, hey, this is what an actual tourniquet looks like. This is how you actually use it. And he walked through that whole thing. He conveniently was also selling them, but... (laughs) it. It worked out, right? So I got a little, like, an actual instruction on how to actually use a tourniquet properly. And then, yeah, like you said, I've seen it a ton of times in YouTube videos and things like that as well. I also figure a tourniquet's one of those things where, like I said, lots of times I'm not actually the most experienced person there. But at least if I have it, I can give it to someone who has the experience. Right? Well, about a, about a year ago, we were trying to plan a Stop the Bleed course with Ragnarok. And it just, with COVID, it kind of put the brakes on that and we never circled around back to it just because of numbers and masks and things we were kind of hoping things would get better and we would book it later yeah. i mean it's a year year and a bit later now and we haven't done it but yeah. that was there was some interest at our club anyways there is about a dozen people that wanted to do it so yeah i i would like to do one yeah yeah i i think i would too so uh, so for myself, I was thinking about it. I didn't think I had anything in there, but then I forgot that I have a small one. Um, my current work used to give out little first aid kits as, you know, kind of like just the same as they would give out, uh, pens and such like that. So they used to give out little first aid kits. So I had popped one in there and I do have safety pins, um, some band-aids, uh, some alcohol wipes, and uh, I believe also a needle and a thread in there. So for whatever whatever that would come in handy <laughs> with. But, you know, it kind of makes me think then, should we be taking more personal responsibility or should we be taking first aid a little more seriously at our clubs? And I know at work, like, you're supposed to have at least two people on site who 
have their first aid at all times. Well, that's why I wondered what the requirements were, right? Like, yeah. if there's anything there, I should look that up. I should know these things. Yeah, so, I don't know. <laughs> I just thought that was interesting. Um, yeah. But maybe because it's a recreational, self-serve right. situation that we have, it's a mm-hmm. little different. It's just kind of like when you go swimming at a private pool or at a hotel, it's used at your own risk. Um, you know, in in the States, they started taking more responsibility. If it has more than six feet deep, then they're supposed to have a lifeguard on duty. Um, and you're not allowed to swim in the pool unless the lifeguard is there. So, yeah. So I know when I went to Syracuse, that was the thing. So we had personally went to a hotel uh, for a pool because we were driving from uh, Rhode Island back home. And yeah, that was the thing. So they were renovating and the pool was nine feet and we weren't allowed to swim while they weren't there. That was very frustrating. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it was definitely an interesting experience. And then, so like there's the responsibility of the facility and then there's our own personal responsibility and being more aware of our surroundings. So uh, I feel like the more I think about it, the more that I I need to brush up on that myself. Um, How do you guys feel? Do you feel comfortable with your level of first aid? Even though I just took the training, I really don't. (laughs) I mean, it's like anything else that you've, if you've never had to do it, you know, it's, and it's different when you're under pressure and if someone's bleeding and hurting and Mm -hmm. there's all these different outside factors, it's really, it would be tough to do, I think. And I, I think I would be, not to say Mike wouldn't, but like he said, you know, maybe there's someone else in the group that is better qualified, like a first responder, and mm. we just let them take the reins and help out where you can. <laughs> I think I would be more willing to step back in that scenario, but obviously if somebody would help out, help them. But yes, of course, I wouldn't be the first guy running to help. I don't think just yeah. because of the confidence level, and I wouldn't want to hurt somebody more than what they're already hurt. <laughs> no, I understand. Yeah, no, I, I definitely don't feel confident. Like, mm-hmm. if something ever happens, I am like, yes, I will help you, but only if no one else steps up to do it. Okay. Um, sometimes I've been to matches where they say like, oh, who here is, you know, whatever, a certified paramedic or whatever, so that they can be the person that we call or who has first aid training. I never put my hand up. Yeah. Right? Because yes. I do not have the confidence to be the one to be called on. Like, I got this for when I'm the last person available, pretty much. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, yeah yeah so well, I, I, I can understand that like it's it's very nerve-wracking especially when you don't have the experience even trained paramedics on their first few like it, i think it takes months or even years to a point where you kind of get yourself affiliated and most of the time they end up putting paramedics at a very busy town or city and to get the most experience and then they bring those experienced guys to the smaller locations so that they're um they're well equipped they're prepared if you throw a newbie in on a quiet town and then you know they tend to forget what uh, their original education was but at least if you have like real life experience it's a little different right (laughs) yeah i I definitely wouldn't be comfortable but i know you two have both said that you haven't had any experience where you needed um, a more serious first aid? No, That's right. No, luckily. <laughs> no. Well, I, I did have a couple experiences, but the one, the big one that I, I very 
um, urgently remember is the man who was having a seizure. Uh, his tongue had rolled to the back of his mouth. And so he had stopped and he started to foam. So I had to, I, at this point I had freaked out like everybody else did, but it was a quiet busy, or a quiet day at the mall. We had a big snowstorm. So he just happened to be waiting in the area where it was nice and warm. And I think he was waiting for a cab and he was laying on his back and you could tell that his tongue had rolled to the back of his mouth. So I just did it, put him into the rest position so that if he needed to vomit or anything like that, and hopefully open up his airway. So I turned him off to his side. I called um, uh, security at that point who have more onset first aid, helped clear the area until paramedics came. So uh, you didn't actually like try to get his tongue out of his No, mouth. no, no, no. It was one of those things like you could see and his lips were purple and I'm just like, you need to turn him over. That was my gut instinct was just to, to turn him over because it looked like he was, it was just, looks so swollen and blocked out so uh yeah i rolled him over on his side and then the paramedics came and he was still alive when he left so yeah. whether it was the right thing to do i don't know but I, I did i felt panicked at the time but i went with what i felt was right he didn't look like anything was broken and mm -hmm. he definitely was having a hard time breathing so yeah. I'm, uh, no, I'm no paramedic and my first aid had expired but I'm pretty sure that they say nowadays, don't stick your fingers in their mouth because they're just as likely to bite your finger off as you are to pull their tongue out. And I think exactly. that you were, you did the right thing to put them in the recovery position and pretty much yeah. like wait it out kind of thing, wait for emergency services. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Um, and working in daycare, I also had a couple minor choking incidences. You know, children will put things in their mouths that they shouldn't. So, I mean, it was, you know, quick, couple pats on the back usually did the uh, well, the trick so andy uh andy was choking on a tuna wrap and yeah. courtney just did whatever she did i'm not sure if she leaned her over her knee and yeah so, or whatever but yeah. yeah she still talks about that how she choked on a tuna wrap yeah so <laughs> it's a traumatic situation and we also the thing is uh like with first egg you also learn about allergies and that's something i don't think people People always think, oh, well, you know, they break out in hives or they got an EpiPen, yeah, they can handle it. recognizing the symptoms. But it's recognizing yeah. the symptoms early early onset, right? Like, and how to properly use an EpiPen. So one of my coworkers is um, anaphylactic if to uh, tree nuts. So she can't have uh, any, like, she can have be in the same room as them. But if it, she has any contact, she will become anaphylactic. So... Uh, she taught me uh, where her uh, EpiPen was and how to shoot it in her uh, leg if anything were to happen. So uh, that was an important thing for me, too. And now dealing with bees, it's like, well, there's another factor. So Yeah, when's the last time you've been stung? Yeah, I've never been stung. Yeah. Um, and no, I've never. I've been bitten by a wasp. Oh. And, and horse flies and things like that. And when it comes to mosquitoes. How do you know he was biting you and not stinging you? It was a wasp. It was those <laughs> stupid yellow jacket thingies. Like, they're awful. Because it was by the apartment buildings and in the city. And, yeah, it definitely was not a fun experience. <laughs> but, and with mosquito bites, mine tend to rash out. Like, I, I wouldn't say I'm heavily allergic. But I definitely, it spreads very quickly. And my legs are covered 
mosquitoes like me. So, yeah. I don't know. That's the thing. We go to check on the bees and the mosquitoes. We put the nets on for the mosquitoes. The bees are fine. The bees are fine. <laughs> yeah, it's the mosquitoes. It's it's a little ridiculous. So, I don't know. I I feel like we need to start taking more personal responsibility. But Well, I definitely want to circle back to the Stop the Bleed and get one into our club. Well, yeah, that would be yeah. a really important one because that's something you could come across. Yep more likely if someone got physically injured by their handgun yeah. or their rifle or yeah and you could have your little IFAC on your belt even on the back of your belt or something right yeah i think yeah. that'd be a, a smart idea but i mean you can't be prepared for absolutely everything no but, you know but people should be more prepared than you and i i think is yeah. the lesson <laughs> i think it is the lesson. <laughs> yeah Jesus. well i will say this I've been to quite a few matches and lots of times you get like a little goodie bag, like when you go to like a larger match and quite a few times I've gotten a little boo-boo bag with, you know, whatever band-aid, a little bit of tape and gauze, whatever. And I've gotten into the habit when I have extras of them, I leave them in my bag. And then that way, when someone comes to me, especially usually at a match, because I'm running the match, they know that I know where the first aid kit is and they ask for a band-aid. Usually I just give them the whole thing and tell them to keep it. Oh, that's nice. That's a good idea. I like that. Yeah. So I think that's really cool. And I, you know, that'd be a really good idea for our next, you know, cross country shoot or something like that. If we did go to the something. dollar store and get a bunch of little kits. And, yeah. Like, and... why not? A, a little bit can help. Right. I used to make my own first aid kits and girl guides. Mm -hmm. And I think, and um, when we did swimming lessons, we learned how to perform CPR. So it's just, uh, I, I think a really cool thing and a, and a smart thing to do. But I know Wanda had offered to give us some more insight. So if anybody has some questions in general that we can maybe bring Wanda in to answer, I would love to do that. So what were Wanda's qualifications again? Do we have that? Not off the top of my head. I'm looking. I'm going to go grab well, her. George seems like he probably hurts himself a lot. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. We've got so many pictures in our little conversation here so yeah goodness goodness so is she a nurse or a first responder no i or? think she's a first responder if i'm not um, uh i know she was she's a I think a 911 operator now i think yeah but i think she did something else previously before that yeah hang on let's see here uh almost there Almost there. Uh, if I messaged you right now, it would go right down to the bottom. Yeah, don't do that. Please, <laughs> please don't. I might have even gone past it. So, and uh, well, why don't we you bring up? Uh, so, we were chatting with Benny, and Benny had made an offer to our listeners. There, can you pull that up? And uh, I got a yeah. Yep. And you let you let the guests know or our listeners know. Yes. <laughs> Uh, where is it here? Guest to our podcast. Um, yes, on the Ragnarok website yes. for first aid uh, supplies. Use the, use the code. Yeah. Yeah, you can use the uh, the Ben Ten in your in your checkout to get. I don't actually. I assume it's ten percent off just because it has ten in yeah. it. But, uh, yeah. But yeah, it yeah. is B E N one zero. Use that in the <laughs> discount code, and you'll get a discount off your uh, medical supplies. 
That's perfect. So, yes, Wanda is a retired first aid uh, and CPR instructor and has been in the emergency services for 17 years. Awesome. We should have, where was she? Come I, on. This is perfect for this, her. It would have been a perfect conversation, but I don't think the timing worked out well. Darn. And it was, it's really cool because George is also taking a certified dog first aid responder. Yeah. Um, and if you think about it, when we had our conversations about the... Um, dogs and the gun community as well. So that was kind of a nice little fit there too. So, yeah. as you know, not only humans need... Well, we'll have to do a part two sometime. Yes, we will definitely have to do a part two. But if anybody has any questions or would like to share their thoughts, uh, what is our uh, email address there, Mike? It is host at newshootercanada.ca perfect and you can also leave a note on our facebook at newshootercanada.ca as well and let's move on gentlemen we have a listener we do (laughs) we have another listener can you believe it this is awesome uh so our listener writes to us and says hello just wanted to let you guys know instead of buying pelican or similar price cases check out princess auto impact resistant storage cases and he provided a link for us which we will post in the show notes uh they have gasket and a valve and padlockable and headphone inserts they're also regularly um go on sale for 40 percent off i got the 10 inch and the 22 inch and it's perfect for my handguns Anyways, just thought you'd like to know. Uh, keep up with the podcast and keep throwing in knife talk. Ciao from Flavio. I Thank love you. that. Thank you, Flavio. Thank you, Flavio. I love that. Uh, so, closing comments. Do we I, have any? I remember what I was going to say after I was done talking about my match. What? There was another revolver shooter there. Ooh. So you might and have. How did you, he- you would have had some competition, Mike. That's awesome. <laughs> Do you know what he was and, shooting? Uh, it looked like a 686, but I didn't get too close to see. But that's no. what it looked like to me. It looked like a Smith and Wesson. Um, and he had uh, he had moon clips. They're all on his belt, all the way around his belt, and he was picking them up afterwards. And mm-hmm. uh, and he he actually had the vest on, the concealment vest. So he was you know more of a IDP shooter, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But he was he, he well he shot better than I did, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was kind of cool seeing that something a little different, and uh, you could definitely tell the difference in the sound on the 38s than the nine mil. Mm-hmm. It was kind of neat. But, oh yeah. Uh, did you think his yeah. were louder or quieter? Out of curiosity. Loud, louder, louder. I thought. Oh, he must be shooting like actual 38s then. Because yeah, thir- like in IDPA, the power factor for revolver is 105, but I believe for semi, it's 120 or 125. So technically, your round should be louder than the revolver stuff. But yeah, yeah. Well, it, it definitely sounded louder to me. I don't know. <laughs> maybe yeah. just maybe just because it was different. Maybe mm-hmm. it, maybe I thought that way. But. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it was neat to watch. Yeah, it was cool. It was I was trying to pretend he was Mike. And, you know, since Mike doesn't want to shoot, I was just trying to. Yeah, that's Mike. That's my buddy, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> we do. What are you talking about? That's Dan. <laughs> <laughs> wow, yeah. it'll be good when we can finally get together and do a shoot. It'll be, you know, a, a, yeah. our first time meeting, and it'll be 
awesome. I just know it. So got to get Josh's uh, competitive side going, I think. <laughs> yeah. It'll be a lot well, of fun. I'm definitely feeling feeling down on myself, but also motivated. So it's. I think it's going to come out. I think so. And yeah. I think once things settle down here and we get into a routine, then we'll be able to do some more dry firing and yeah. listen to our buddy Mike and Thomas with some some ideas there so that's awesome yes uh thomas couldn't be with us today but thomas hoping to have you on next show and i just wanted to say thanks guys for you know being awesome and putting up with my ramblings today um i also want to say thank you to benny for lending me the sling and also for providing our listeners the code again it's ben 10 on the Ragnarok website to get a discount on first aid supplies and uh, thank you to Mystery Man who saved us on the water. <laughs> That'd be great. Mike, do you what have if he any... actually exists? Oh, he does. <laughs> Had a handlebar mustache. Yeah. And uh, he, him and his wife were super, super nice. I really, really, that's a whole other community that I'm looking forward to being a part of. So, mm-hmm. uh, Mike, do you have any shout outs this evening? Uh, my shout out is just going to be to Flavio for sending us in these. Uh these cases I was looking at them and my problem would be that I wouldn't be able to figure out like spatial awareness of what will fit and where, but looking over them, they definitely do look very robust and I'm sure they will definitely suit someone's needs. So thank you for sending that in. Yeah, they definitely look cool. And uh, I did notice that uh, Princess Auto says that they are a Canadian company. So I thought that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like all for Canada. So I really appreciate that. Yeah. And there is there is a air quote here toolbox that is 44 and a half inches long and doesn't look very deep. One might say it looks like a rifle case. (laughs) <laughs> Ooh, I like that. Get on their website. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. What about you, Josh? Any shout outs this evening? Uh, shout out to uh, my friend Jeff Bell. Uh, he stopped by my work yesterday and he dropped off a Canadian Knife and Gear Challenge coin. So I thought that was a really nice, thoughtful gift there and collector's item. So thank you for that. And uh, to my ex brother in law, Rick, he came over and helped me diagnose the boat. He brought over some supplies and some tools and Helped me check the voltage and all that fun stuff. So big shout out to him. He helped us a lot. Yeah, so. Rick, Rick's a really cool guy. I like him. Yeah. And one more shout out to Mike for uh, rucking his brains out while he had some days off there last week. Yeah, I love that. So tell me, tell, tell us quickly what you uh, what you achieved. What do you mean? I didn't ruck at all last week. Or two weeks ago? Was it two weeks ago? Oh, yeah, that was... What- we, I think we talked about it on the last podcast. I did the yeah, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, and 25. Oh, okay. Yeah. I guess I'm, I, don't know. I guess I'm skipped ahead then. <laughs> <laughs> Come Still on. You haven't listened to last great. week's episode yet. No, I haven't. I'm actually three episodes. Be- I'm just on the ladies episode right now. Oh my goodness. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Well, we definitely got to pick up our rucking attitude here. Cause yeah. we did absolutely George, not a George shout out to George too. He's, he's doing like 10 kilometers, 11 kilometers. He's doing great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good job, George. Very, very proud of you. And he's definitely stepped up on that game. He's been, he's been a go-getter. So mm-hmm. it's always good to have a good group to motivate. We right? got, we got the kids some little backpacks. So we're hoping to get them more interested in coming out with us. So yeah, absolutely. So, Well, is that it, gentlemen? 
Have we covered all our bases? Yep, I'm done shouting. You're done shouting? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Old man yelled at cloud. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, Mike, why don't you take on us, uh, take us on out of here? There we go. Time spent at the range is time spent with family. Choose your caliber wisely. Go ahead and shoot like a girl. Good evening. Good night. Adios. Good night. Good night. I really like 22 now. Thanks for listening. We'd love to hear from you with any questions or feedback you may have, or if you just want to call shenanigans. You can contact us at host at newshootercanada.ca or through our Facebook page. The way they look, I like the shiny steel and the polished wood. I don't care if they're big or small. They're for sale till I want them all. I like guns. I like guns. I like guns.